for a few moments, I shall not want. God cannot be explained. He must be revealed. If God could only be explained, then God would not be just. Because not all human beings are at the same intellectual level to the point that they can comprehend an explanation. If God could just be researched, then he would not be just. There are those among us with special needs that cannot research at the same level. There are those of us that never learned to read in the world and cannot research a God like that. No, God can't be explained. He can't be researched. He has to be revealed. And since he has to be revealed, only the stronger can reveal to the weaker. So God takes the responsibility on himself of revealing himself on the level of the person that is seeking him. And we see this all through the scripture many times in anthropomorphic terms. God shows people imagery and descriptive language of what he is like. So if you're a cook, he'll say, I'm the bread of life. Or he'll say, I am the wine of the new covenant. Or he'll say, I am the oil of the anointing on your life. If you're a carpenter, one of the most beautiful scriptures to me in the Bible is the word that describes God as a nail in a sure place. If you're an astronomer, he's the bright and the morning star. If you're a botanist, he's the lily of the valley and the rose of Sharon. The point is God reveals himself on the level of the person seeking him. And many times a revelation of God, not instruction, not teaching. Revelation is so much different than that. Revelation is when God comes into your life himself and pulls back the curtain. That's what revelation means. It means the pulling back of the curtain when you begin to see what your eyes never noticed before. When God reveals himself, many times it is the result of a challenge or a crisis that you are going through. Crisis can be a blessing in that sometimes it gives God a platform to reveal himself to you in a way that you have never seen him before. For instance, the disciples knew Jesus. They knew Jesus, the teacher. They knew Jesus, Jesus, the healer. But one night they were in the middle of the sea and a storm was rocking the ship and they thought their lives were going to be lost. And the Jesus they knew, the Jesus they had experienced come walking on the water to them. And when they saw the Jesus they knew, and when they saw the Jesus they had experienced, they stood back and gasped and thought Jesus was a ghost. Jesus gets in the boat and he speaks peace to the storm and the wind and the waves died down. And the disciples look at each other and don't miss this because it's wild. The disciples look at each other Pointing at the Jesus they knew. And they said, what manner of man is this? That the wind and the waves obey him. What was happening to them? They knew Jesus the teacher. They knew Jesus the healer. But they had just been introduced to Jesus the water walker. And Jesus the storm chaser. Because he used their problem as a catalyst to reveal who he was 
to a degree and to a level that they had never seen him before. What you need most is a revelation. Put your right hand on your head and say, give me a revelation. So God reveals himself on the level of the person seeking him. And it's true today. We all came in here to Christian world this morning and we're all worshiping the same God. But we all have unique personal revelations of who he is to us. The person who is dry, maybe in this section, is lifting their hands during worship and praising God for being their well of living water. And the person who is sick in this section is lifting their hands and praising God for being their healing and their healer. While the person in the back over here that is an addict is praising God, saying, Lord, I know you are my deliverer. And we're all praising the same God, but we hold different revelations of who he is to us. So David was a shepherd boy and he knew about God. He had been introduced to God. He had been taught about God. He had gone to the temple to worship God. He was immersed in the things of God. And yet one day on the backside of the desert, keeping his father's sheep, David got a revelation Revelation will always be more powerful than instruction. So, so you want both sides of your brain activated. You want all of your spirit activated when you come to church because it's not just what you learn. It is what is revealed to you by the spirit of God as you seek the Lord. David gets a revelation on the backside of the desert. and He says, oh my God. God, as the curtain was pulled back, he said, God is to me what I am to these sheep. He said, the, the Lord, he's not just God. The Lord, he's not just creator. The Lord, he's not just the God of my text that I learned from the rabbis in the temple. David said, I got to add a new layer to him. I got to add a new element. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I think he watches over me like I watch over these sheep. I think he feeds me and directs me and defends me and comforts me the way I deal with these sheep. So I want you to notice in the first couple of words, he gets a revelation about God, but every revelation you get about God will also give you revelatory insight about yourself because it is the more we see who God is, the more we understand ourselves. So because he saw the Lord is my shepherd, this bursting declaration came out of his spirit about his own identity and his own life. Because the Lord is my shepherd, oh my God, I shall not want. David said, I will never lack anything. 
I'll never be in a situation found wanting. It doesn't matter what it is financially or wanting for love or wanting for peace or wanting for healing or wanting for wholeness. I will never be for the rest of my life caught in a situation wanting because I have just realized I have just seen that the Lord is my shepherd. Now, you cannot say I shall not want just because God exists. Because God does exist and there's a lot of people left wanting in the earth. David was able to say it because of the level of revelation that burst into his spirit. It's the revelation you receive and the truth you identify with that manifests in your life. Oh my God. It is the revelation you receive and the truth you identify with that manifests in your life. Is God a healer? Yes, he's a healer. A lot of people die of sickness every day. Why? Because it is the revelation you receive and that truth which you identify with that causes it to manifest in your life. David said there's a level you can get to of revelation in God where you identify with him as your personal shepherd. Understand the gravity of what David is saying. He's saying, I no longer see God. As the CEO of the universe, I see God as my personal God, as my personal shepherd. And because of how I'm seeing him now, I knew he was the creator before. I knew he was seated on the throne before. I knew he had all power before, but I left it in a general sense. Now I see that he is my personal keeper. He's my personal God. He's the one personally looking after me every day. And based off what I saw, I shall not one. David, why? Why will you never want? Why will you never want, Dave? Four ways God breaks lack. That's all want means is lack. Four ways. It's right there in the text. Four ways God breaks lack. Everybody say this. God breaks lack. That's what he spoke to me this year about resurrection seed is that this year he is breaking the lack of his people. It's four ways God breaks lack. Number one, he makes. Everybody say he makes. Don't miss this in the text. David said he makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes. Doesn't say he encourages doesn't say he instructs. David said, I've walked with him long enough to get the revelation that he makes. What's it mean that he makes? Even when I don't want to do what's best for me, the shepherd makes me. Even when I don't want to rest because I got to get the project done. The shepherd makes me. Even when I don't want to live the way I'm supposed to live to line up with my purpose. Let me shock you. The shepherd made me do it. And all of a sudden, I think we can all identify with this at some level. Think of where you would be in your life if the shepherd didn't make you do some things. Everybody keep your eyes right here at me, okay? 
you wouldn't have married them. But the shepherd made you do it. Because at 22, you were so foolish and crazy, you didn't know what good was. You didn't know what a good personality, you didn't know what a good father, you didn't know what a good mother, you didn't know what good was for your future. But the shepherd saw you at 45 in the life and the purpose that he destined for you. So he said, I can't let you mess this up at 22 because I see you at 45. So I'm going to make your tail lie down in green pastures. I'm going to make you stay in that city. You wanted to move to Paris with your 19-year-old self. Started putting everything together. Said you hated the city you lived in. But nothing would work out for you. And the shepherd made you stay. Think of all the times in your life where you wanted to go one direction and you thought you were going to go that direction but the shepherd stepped in and made you lay down, made you stay put, made you pray. You didn't feel like praying. You wanted to go to the club but something came over you and the shepherd made you do it. Made you give. You didn't feel like being generous but the shepherd made you give. Made you forgive. You said, I'll never forgive him for that. And then here comes a shepherd and he just. Where would we be? You ain't talking to me. It's all right. I said, where would you be if the shepherd hadn't made you? Made you take that call. Made you take that meeting. Made you step out on that harebrained plan made you do those things the shepherd makes he he made you get that job he made you get that house he made you get that promotion you didn't qualify for that he made your sick body well he made sure your children got safe and got home that night without his. He made as crazy as old kids are. But but the shepherd he he makes. And David starts thinking about his life and all of the things that that the shepherd just made happen. And David said, "I didn't get here because I was wise." I didn't get here because I picked the right moments. I didn't get here because I'm a strategist. I'm here because the shepherd makes. Second way God breaks lack, the shepherd leads. He said, he makes me lie down in green pastures, but then he leads me. David said, I will never know lack again in my life because I can't take a wrong step. And the reason I can't take a wrong step is because the shepherd's leading me. If I was on my own, I couldn't say I shall not want. But with the shepherd leading me, no, 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 no. He's not just leading me by the minute, okay? He's not just leading me by the second. He's in tomorrow while I am still in today. And so the shepherd is 
leading me through the things that I don't understand, that I don't even know are coming, that I don't even know where the traps are set, that I don't even know where the enemy has set ambushes. The shepherd's leading me so I can't step wrong. What would you accomplish in your life if you knew you couldn't step wrong? How would you unleash your investments and your plans if you knew you couldn't step wrong? David got to this level of revelation with God. I can't step wrong. He's leading me. And then, and then, he says, he leads me beside the still waters. Number three, he restores my soul. You know, I found out that a vacation can rest your body. Lord Jesus, Cabo is calling me right now. But, but listen, listen, listen. A vacation can rest your body, you know, stick your toes in the sand, change the way you feel in your body. But only God can rest your soul. Does anybody, listen, does anybody know what it's like to go to bed early, sleep all night, get good long sleep and wake up more exhausted than you were It's like you. You've been exhausted for a long time. Months on end. But you've got an appointment with a restored soul. Where God goes into your heart and pours out the grief. Where God begins to stitch your broken spirit back together. And establish your mind on a level that you have never experienced before. And after life and all hell breaks loose against you, only God can come in and restore. You know what that is? It's like you have a storehouse. Okay? It's like everybody's coming and you got supplies in the storehouse and you know everybody's coming and you're just giving out supplies just giving out supplies giving out supplies giving out supplies and what people fail to realize is you are a limited resource you only got so much that you can give and and when you run out you gotta resupply or restore or else you get to the place where you're giving in a deficit. You're communicating in a deficit. You're being a spouse in a deficit. You're being a mama or a daddy in a deficit. If you knew the people that were running their lives on a deficit right now in this room, it would blow your mind. And it takes God to come in. He's the only one that can come in and restore, resupply, replenish the soul. He said, he restores my soul. Number four, he said, 
He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Number four, he transforms me. I didn't really understand this one until I looked at it in the, in the light of Jesus. What David was saying here, if you're not careful, you'll think it's a version of repeating what he said when he said, he leads me beside the still waters. Okay. God's leading me. That's not what he's saying here in number four. He's saying God transforms me. How so? It's that one little word, paths. If you do the etymology on the word, you'll find out it's where we get our word, pathology, lifestyle, habitual uh, things that we do, paradigms, basically how we live our lives, life path. David said, the thing I've noticed about God is he leads me in the paths of righteousness or good works, doing right. What David is saying is profound because he said, I have noticed there are good works coming out of me that did not originate with me. I've noticed that I'm doing good, but the good that I'm doing didn't come from me as the source. He said, God put me in a pathology of righteousness for his namesake. In other words, David said, all I did was believe in his name and God did two things. He covered me with his righteousness. So the righteousness is over me. But then he started leading me to do righteousness. And now his righteousness is not just over me. It's in me through the works that I do. Same thing that happens when you confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, believe on his name, repent of your sins. God covers you with his righteousness so you are no longer judged by your own account of actions and doings. But not only does God just cover you and leave you, God starts adjusting your pathology and your lifestyle. He starts leading you to do righteous things not to cover yourself because you're already covered. He starts leading you to do righteous things because your name, your, your, his name is in your mouth. His name is over your head as a banner. You belong to him. And so David said, I'm doing things I didn't ever see myself doing. I, I'm doing things in my life that don't even look like me, that don't even sound like me. I've started to change my pathology, and I realized I didn't change it at all. He led me into a progressive transforming in my life pathology. That's how you know God's working in your life. That's how you know that the righteousness provided by the blood of Christ that is over you is starting to work in you. It's when the lifestyle, the pathology begins to change. There's a lot of people that say Jesus is Lord on Sunday and they go out and live like the devil Monday through Saturday. The righteousness that is over them is not working in them. They're not allowing it to. But David said, I noticed not only did you cover my sin with your righteousness, but you started leading, leading me to do righteous things. I've never volunteered at a food pantry before, but here I am at Christian World. 
Why? David said, it's not me. It's he's leading me in a pathology. I've never been faithful to a church showing up every Sunday, every Wednesday, but, but he's leading me. He's changing my pathology. I would have never skipped golf to go to church on a Sunday morning, especially when I lose an hour of sleep. But, but he's, he's changing my pathology. And I bet you, if you've been walking with him for a while, you can look back over your own life and say, oh my God, there were some changes that I didn't want to make. And I didn't think I could make. I didn't think I'd ever lay those pills down. I didn't think I'd ever lay those drugs down. I didn't think I'd ever lay that bottle down. I didn't think I'd ever lay that little book down with all the numbers in it for the But he, he started adjusting my pathology. And when there is a collision between the faith you know and the faith you do, that's where true transformation happens. When you start doing according to what you believe, that's where real transformation happens happens. David said, he trans, he's transforming me. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. So he says those four things about God that break lack. Okay. God breaks lack in our lives by the things he makes happen, by the ways he leads and gives us wisdom and instruction on what to do, where to be what to say, how to operate, how to move. He restores. See, a lot of people would be further than you are financially, further than you are in your career, further than you are in other areas if you hadn't have had to run so long depleted. But David said he restores and then he transforms. So those parts of me that would prevent me from getting to the next level because you are not a victim. You are your own barrier to the next level. I'm going to say that again because I like the way it sounded. You didn't. So I'm going to stomp that toe real quick. You are the barrier to your next level. He said he's transforming me. And then based off all that, he stops and he says, yes, yes, it's true. My revelation of God does not include a denial of my natural circumstances because I'm not one of those weird people. I like faith people, but I can't stand weird people. He said, yeah, I saw all that about God. And yep, it's real. But then he acknowledges, yes, I am walking through a valley. Oh, the people that came to church this morning in a valley. And the valley is real. No use denying it. No use trying to faith it away. Standing in a valley and saying, I'm not in a valley. I'm not in a valley. It's not faith. It's weird. Coughing up, spitting mucus everywhere, 103 temperature. I'm not sick. 
Well, take your not sick self about 60 yards away from me so that I don't not get whatever you don't have. David said, I ain't on that weird stuff. Listen, yes. That's what he means, yay. Yes. I am living in the middle of a low place. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Next thing he wants you to know, the valley's real and death is real. Ignorant preachers say, oh, it was just a shadow. It was just a figment of... No! Shadows are only cast by real objects. It first has to exist and be real in order to then cast a shadow. The valley is real. And the death is real. And in the middle of a real valley, facing real death, he says, yet I will fear. No evil, for thou art with me. And then he lists four blessings of the shepherd. He said, number one, your rod. That's comforting. Because a shepherd's rod is his instrument of defense. There's lots of wolves in the world. But when the wolves come against the sheep of a valiant shepherd, the shepherd's got something for them waiting on when they charge up to take the sheep. He's got a rod. Every real shepherd's got a rod. David said, every time I look at that rod, yeah, the death is real. And it may be real for a lot of other people, but I'm under the rod. The rod is my defense. The rod is my defense. Those of you being attacked by a vicious predator, stronger than you, more deadly than you, and you don't know what to do about it, get a revelation of the rod of God and that God is your defense. And he said, the rod is my defense. Number two, the staff is my deliverance. The shepherd's staff has a hook on it. Because sometimes, because sheep are so dumb, I said, because sheep are so dumb. Look at me like you ain't ever done something that was so. Y'all just left me. It's all right. Like you ain't ever done something that was just so. God blessed you. He set you up, put you in the right place, you know, raised you up, promoted your favorite, all this kind of stuff. And here you go getting off the path, sticking your crazy sheep head into a thorn bush. The staff has a hook on it. So when I stick my crazy dumb self into something I had no business messing around with in the first place. He doesn't leave me. He sticks the staff out there, hooks me by the head, and delivers me. (laughs) 
Deliverance is only necessary for the dumb who did something they shouldn't have done to get them put in a position they should have never been in the first place. But as God is my witness, I am a personal witness that when you get your head stuck in some dumb situations, God is faithful to bring out the staff and just push three people. You ain't got to tell them what you did. Just say, he pulled me back. He, he pulled me back. He pulled me back again. He, he keeps pulling me back. I got to stop and clap my hands because I just had a, a memory of the last time. He just pulled me back from the edge. Pulled me back from the predator. Pulled me back from the cliff. Pulled me back from the thorn. But pulled me back. We could talk for months on end in this room just with the people that are here right now that will never tell anybody the details, but you know you should not have made it home that night, T-H-A-T, that night, and you still don't know how you got there. Should have killed yourself or someone else on the road. Should be in jail serving a prison sentence. You were just in all kind of stupid. Just up to your ears in dumb. And you didn't deserve it. Here come the staff anyway. That rod and that staff, that's my deliverance. Number three, he said, and I've noticed you have this habit of giving me a table. This is the blessings of the shepherd. God, you have a way of preparing a table before me in the presence of my enemies. God, there's something you like about letting my enemies watch you bless me. Oh, Jesus. I'm going to skip over that one because that's going to get me too happy. I'm going to lose everything. So listen, 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 listen. I'll just say there is no eating like the eating you do in the face of somebody who is hoping you would choke. Real quick, have you ever had God bless you in front of somebody that hated you? Oh, it's the sweetest blessing. It's, oh, it's the sweetest blessing. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Number four, the blessings of the shepherd. That's all this is. Number four, you anoint my head with oil. Now, pastor, everybody gets this wrong. You anoint my head with oil. They'll do types what types of oil are in the Bible. They'll do shadows, implication, prophetic, and all that kind of stuff. They'll liken it to sheep. How that shepherds pour oil on the sheep as either a disinfectant or a protector against snakes because snakes are uh, allergic to oil. All good fodder. But he wasn't talking about any of that. He was talking about his own life. You understand, David was anointed with oil specifically three times. 
First Samuel pulls up to Jesse's house, says, I'm here to anoint one of your sons to be king. And Samuel takes out his oil. And he goes through all seven of David's tall, dark, and handsome brothers. No oil won't flow. He says, you got any more kids? Just said, I got an accident out in the... Uh... I got that son I had with a prostitute. Nahash, the Venetian. God wouldn't want anything to do with him. And Samuel said, we ain't going to sit down till he comes in. And when the red-headed, freckle-faced boy walks into a room full of tall, dark, and handsome, full-blooded Jewish boys, with his very presence as a reminder, he's an oops. prophet takes his horn of oil and all of a sudden for the first time the oil starts pouring and the oil starts flowing he lays his hand on him and says you're gonna be the king of the nation that's what David meant how anoint is my head with oil oil is your purpose it's your purpose it's your purpose. It's for which purpose were you created? Okay. The oil is meant to be the target and the activation of your purpose. You ought to have a purpose that requires God's anointing. I will leave that alone. And so, listen, listen. Thou anoints my head with oil. That's my purpose. That was the first time David was anointed. Second time is when the men of Judah had split off from the northern kingdom. They had done a rift. They had done a coup. They, they had done their own version of Texit. You don't know what Texit is. Texit is a group and an organization and a theme and a campaign to have Texas emancipate itself and to separate itself from the rest of the United States. Anyway, the, the, the men of Judah had done this. They had broken off from Israel and become their own kingdom. And so the men of Judah came to David and they surrounded him and they poured oil on his head and they said, would you be our king? Now, 22 years from the time Samuel first anointed this teenage boy, 22 years later, after being anointed as a teenager, after being anointed the king of Judah, see, being the king of Judah wasn't the prophecy. Being the king of the whole nation was. But for 22 years, he carried that vision and that prophecy without seeing the fulfillment of it. But 22 years later, after he was first anointed, they anointed David the king over all of Israel. And he brought Judah and Israel together again. That's what he meant when he said, thou anointest my head with oil. Listen, David was saying, this may be too deep for Sunday morning, but David was saying, the oil's what I held on to while I waited on what you promised me. 
you promised me and I didn't have anything to be evidence of it except the oil kept flowing. Listen, I have noticed in my own life, let me preach about me for a minute. Can I preach about me? I preach about you all the time. You can sit there and let me preach about me a little bit. There's a difference between wait and wait. I've learned, doesn't matter what the assignment is, I can handle the wait. Oh, but what drives me crazy? What causes me to walk the floor at night? What stresses me out? What makes me think about quitting? Has it ever been this? It's the wait. David said, I learned in the 22-year journey from your promise to the fulfillment. That many nights I had nothing to hold on to but the oil. I was able to hold my purpose. I was able to not change track. I was able to keep my eye focused on what you said you would do in my life. Because even though I didn't get what I want when I wanted it. And even though I had to bear the weight of waiting. You kept pouring oil on me. Time after time, season after season, you spaced it out so I would remember right when I was about to quit, you made sure you sent me some more oil. The oil is what you hold while you wait. He said, thou anointest my head with oil. Then he says, and my cup runs over. Listen, revelation is something you get here that manifests here. You get it in your head and then you see it in your cup. Those of you that are joining us during Resurrection Seed, watch your cup. Whatever your container is where you hold supply, bank account, investment, business, whatever it is, whatever your container is, whatever your cup is, watch your cup. Because the promise this year, the theme this year is I shall not want. And when that revelation gets in your head, it's a spiritual revelation. It exists in the nebulous world of thoughts and ideas. But when that revelation gets in your head, drops into your spirit, the next place you'll see it is in your cup. Thou anointest my head with oil and my cup. runneth over. I prophesy overflow over this church in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy, goodness and mercy, goodness and mercy, goodness and mercy. That's my future, goodness and mercy. That's my portion, 
goodness and mercy. God is not mad at you today. Do you know what's on his mind? Goodness and mercy. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Give God a praise for his word. Stand to your feet. Come on, stand to your feet. Pastor Coker, go get Jack. I want to pray for him for just a minute. He's in the balcony. Come on down, Jack. We're going to pray for you for just a minute. Listen, if you have any needs in your life, if you have need of prayer for anything, you can come. Our elders are coming. In the book of James, it said, if there's any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church. They will pray the prayer of faith over them. If they've committed any sin, it will be forgiven. And the Lord will raise them up. The Lord will heal them. So if you're in the place and you have a prayer need concerning sickness, whether it's sickness on the outside, sickness on the inside, sickness of the mind, sickness of the soul, whatever it is, please come. Please come. Jack, come up on here on the platform. Come up on the platform here. Yeah, just step right up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're good. You're good. And which foot is it? This, this left foot? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for Jack. We thank you, Lord, that his steps are ordered. We thank you, Lord, for your healing power flowing to him right now. We lay hands on him in accordance and agreement with the book of James, and we speak healing and wholeness to him right now. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. God bless you. Come. We speak healing and wholeness over your life in Jesus' name. We speak the release of the empowerment of God and the strength of God for that area. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we release the grace of God to you in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus.
upon the people today thank you Lord for your word thank you Lord for your presence thank you Lord for all that you're doing in our lives in this season in Jesus name we pray amen listen take that resurrection seed offering envelope home with you and I encourage you over the next four weeks put something special in it put something significant in it join in unity with us and Aim for putting one week's income in it. It will be a blessing to the body of Christ. If you have something you'd like to give today as an offering, Father, we thank you. Bless the giving of the people. Empower them, whether they're giving online, giving, watching, giving through text. Power them financially and bless them in Jesus' name. Take those resurrection seed offering envelopes home with you. Pray over it. I believe there's a miracle in seed form inside it for you. In Jesus' name, we love you. We'll see you Wednesday night.